UMass got a big-time crowd for a big-time game against number 6 Maine, but they were unable to capitalize on their chances and lost 1-0. We're taking you through everything that went wrong in this one and why we're not too worried about it long-term. So let's go. Character. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 110 of High Character, presented by Homefield Apparel. UMass had a game against Maine following their really nice payback win at Merrimack, and it didn't go too well. They lost one nothing. Um, really frustrating outcome. An awesome crowd at UMass that that went to waste with UMass losing one nothing. And we're here to talk all about it. My name is Cameron, and once again, I am joined by my good pal Evan. Evan, I think I know the answer, but how you feeling, pal? Uh, well, feeling, I'm a little bit under the weather. My throat's killing me, so I'm going to try and power through this, but it might get a little difficult at times, so bear with me. And uh, mentally, I'm a little crushed. Um, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, I think he said, I'm a bit sad, and then right after he goes, actually, I'm lying. I'm quite devastated. That's probably how I feel. Um, I mean, I wouldn't really say devastated, actually. I'm, I'm just kind of frustrated because – I feel like there's there's two different ways to take a loss, right? Like like you can you can be upset like if you lose to a bad team, but then you can also be upset knowing that you could have beat a good team. And I feel like that's where I'm at right now. Like yeah, I think it was a winnable game in the grand scheme of things and there were just too many I think it was a combination of just execution issues and just like overall mentality issues that kind of just combined themselves into the perfect storm of us getting beat one nothing in a really sad fashion but like i said you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about it this episode so it should be a a good discussion for the both of us i think yeah and i, I do have another way to get over a tough loss and that would be getting some cool new umass gear and a free beer at the hangar next weekend we are partnering with home field apparel and having an event at the hangar saturday february 10th at four o'clock they just released a new line of umass clothes um and they look absolutely phenomenal you're, you're gonna see them during the week check our socials we'll be uh reposting those new designs we've seen them they look pretty sweet and they're doing an event to promote it i like i said at the hangar four o'clock on saturday we'll be there we'll be doing a live podcast mailbag episode so make sure you send in some questions to us uh it's gonna be a good time giving out free drinks first drink is on them which is super cool uh they even said free food too so a lot of Free stuff going around. They're going to have 20% off that new UMass line of apparel. So it uh, should be an absolutely fantastic time. I think that'll help to get over this, the sting of this one a little bit. I'd say a little bit. And then just to add on to the to the home field stuff, uh, this is going to sound like a fake story. I swear to God, it's not. I was going shopping Saturday morning before the uh, before the UMass game, just getting some errands done, being productive. I was wearing the hoodie that they sent out to me. And some guy, like, I don't think he worked for the store or whatever, but he was just, like, stocking the shelves or whatever with, like, bags of chips or whatever it was. Literally looks me dead in the face and goes, nice hoodie, man. And I was like, what? Like, I, that was the first time I think I've ever gotten, like, you know, any sort of compliments on my clothes in the past, like, year or so. Because I'm I'm still trying to work on my sense of style a little bit, you know what I mean? And I don't know. The, the guy seemed to clearly like it. So, first time I got a compliment in quite a while, and it was via Home Field Apparel. I know that sounds like a crazy ad read. It's seriously not. That's a hundred percent true story. So I'm already starting to get compliments on it. And I'm hoping that uh, those compliments can kind of span out to our fans too, assuming that they get some of this cool apparel. 
yeah, we promise you guys, you guys are going to love this new line of stuff. Check it out for the first time at our event Saturday, 4 p.m. Uh, it's before the whiteout game against UConn, so just yep. make a whole day out of it. It's going to be a great time in Amherst. Uh, meet us at the hangar, come watch the live pod, get a free drink, some free food. You're going to love it. And if you can't, check out Home Field. Um, they're a premium collegiate apparel brand. Over 150 schools, their UMass collection is awesome and getting even better this week. Um, really cool nostalgic designs. Perfect for showing off your college team. Perfect for showing off UMass. So head over to homefieldapparel.com to check it out. We have a code high 24 H-I-G-H-24. If you can't make our event, you're going to get 10% off your order there. Uh, and if you can make our event, you're going to get 20% off. So um, another incentive to come. So hope to see you guys there. It'll be the absolutely best way to support us. If they see we have a big high character crowd coming in, they're just going to appreciate it even more. So um, would love to see you guys there. And uh, yeah, that's Can't wait for it all I got. It'll be great. All right. So let's jump into this game. Um, this, <laughs> I mean, we might start talking once we get into this, but seemingly off the jump, I think this is going to be, a quicker recap, uh, UMass losing one nothing to Maine. Uh, a lot of hype coming into this game. UMass coming in as the 11th best team in the country and Maine coming in at number six. That's in the USCHO rankings, the, the main one we go by. So uh, big top 11 matchup at Mullins. The crowd matched it. They had about 7,500 just under a sellout at Mullins last night. So really big crowd, really big student crowd. I think you and I... We're, we're talking about that. Maybe the best student crowd we've seen in like a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the student crowd was great. I think genuinely the student section was almost at capacity. So, I mean, a ton of people were getting into the arena. I, they were the, I think the only big issue, and I don't know if we want to talk about this a little later to kind of fill in some of the time that's not going to be covered by the recap, but they were still trickling in with like, you know, into the second period, you know, maybe the, the, like security, wasn't really getting them through in a timely manner. There was a lot of discussion on Twitter about it, but they definitely filled out the arena. I mean, everybody else was filling it out as well. I think the uh, the overall attendance, uh, I'm checking the box score right now. I think it was like 7,700, 7,800. Yeah. So absolutely. Do you remember what Mullen's capacity is off the top of your head, Cam? I think it's 8,200 around yeah. that number. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're creeping into sellout territory. So that's really, really nice to see, especially, you know, Giving Ben Barr a nice welcome back home. You know, it was definitely just a, a really, really good atmosphere. I, I genuinely do wish that the result went the other way because I think with a lot of people showing up to the game and if we got a dub there, they'd keep coming back for more. Yeah, we see it so so often the last few years. UMass finally gets a, a great crowd and it, it goes wasted. The one uh, kind of couple um, that defied that trend, one of the Michigan games, the Denver games. But other than that, uh, UMass seems to get a big crowd and not not a great result. So I, I don't love that trend, but I do love the trend of seeing students. Hopefully we can get a lot more um, at the whiteout game as well. That should be a great atmosphere next week. But going into this game, not many lineup changes from the nice win at Merrimack. Uh, Michael Cameron slotted in at the fourth line center, which was a little weird. Christian Sanda got pulled up uh, to be left winger for that fourth line. Taylor McCarr got moved up to the third line left wing. And just looking through, other than that, seems like no changes. So I guess don't don't fix what isn't broken going into the second game of the weekend. Yeah, I mean they that group basically got it done against uh, against Merrimack. They played you know well enough to get the W, which is really all you can ask for. But um, it kind of made sense because I mean Gorman was the guy who eventually got uh, brought down for uh, for Sanda. I mean 
realistically, I think that they bring slightly different skill sets to one another. You know, like Liam Gorman is kind of more of like a, you know, big, big guy, like, you know, power forward net front presence type seemingly. And Sanda's more of like a quicker kind of speedy guy. And Maine is a very quick team. So I feel like that was more or less just kind of a move to spread out the speed everywhere, try and, you know, match them skate for skate wherever possible. So, I mean, I thought it was a great, it was a great move on paper. You know what I mean? I, I kind of like the Lions going into the game. Yeah, I do too. Um, obviously, good result last time. Don't want to change too much. Um, but this game gets underway and immediately uh, all the buzz wears off right away. Just over a minute into this one, we see Scott Morrow, shades of shades of last season, unfortunately. He pinches when he really shouldn't pinch in the offensive zone. Brandon Shabrier on main, he's able to take the puck right away and get one of the cleaner breakaways you'll ever see. He fires one past Michael Hrabble and makes it one nothing early in this game. A, a real big, big mental blow, uh, having a really good opponent and having that first goal come off a clear-cut mistake. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the worst part is, like, I was kind of of the opinion, first team to score is going to win this. You know what I mean? Like, just getting all that momentum, being able to kind of, you know, almost, you know, impose your will on the other team, if you will. Like, I feel like, you know, and as we'll probably talk about for the rest of this game, once Maine kind of got the lead, it seems like they were much more content to kind of just hang back a little bit for mm -hmm. the rest of the game and, and protect the lead. Like, obviously, no team's going to want to do that, but I think – they were able to do that because they're such a quick skating team. It seemed like, and I was talking to you about this, you know, during the game, they always had one of their, one of their forwards kind of hanging back. Like anytime that we would try and, you know, go up on them on the rush, we were going up against three skaters. There'd always be the two, the two D men. And then one of their forwards would always hang back. Like they knew that they were up one, nothing on us. And they knew that they were playing their backup goaltender in that, you know, after Osman didn't have a very good performance the night prior. So I don't know if that was kind of a conscious effort just to try and, you know, ease their goalie into the game because, like we were talking about on the previous episode, he hadn't really, you know, proved himself against, a, you know, a top-level a top level team like UMass. So I don't know if they were just a little nervous about, like, you know, what he could bring to the table, but I think they were trying to protect him as much as possible. And seemingly that was kind of what we were doing as well. Like, you'd figure on a, you know, a relatively unproven goalie, you got to get pucks to the net. You know what I mean? You just, you just want to challenge them as much as humanly possible. And we only finished this game with 15 shots. That's, that's not the way to get a W. So definitely, you know, I think a lot of that can be, you know, attributed to just, we didn't get the, you know, the first goal in this game. And it was off of a very, very early mistake by Moro there, like you said. Yeah. And I don't think they like hunker down and turtled defensively no. in the first period. They actually, uh, they finish this main finishes this period with an 11 to three advantage on the shots. Um, you really poor period for UMass. There's no way to sugarcoat it. They had two power plays in the first half of this first period. They got no shots over the course of the four minutes. Um, main played uh, either shorthanded or even strength for the full period. And they still had a eight shot advantage. Um, really not a good period for UMass. And I think I'd go as far as to say one of the worst periods of the, of the season in a game that you really don't want to come out flat. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, it, we just – I feel like they had a lot of the possession. They were just kind of controlling the play. Like, you know, and I, I, I on the plus side, I mean, we'll, we're obviously going to get to this, but it, I think we really needed a change in that first intermission. I don't know, you know, what Carvey did, whether it was just, like, crazy motivational speech and say, hey, figure it out, guys, or if they made, like, actual, like, 
offensive adjustments like to their scheme, but we came out buzzing in the second period and we looked a lot better, you know, just a lot more just cycling of the puck, a lot more zone time, better zone entries. We just looked like a, a changed team mentality wise. It seemed like it did. Yeah. UMass actually came out looking like the better team in the second period. Um, we see a lot of zone time and then early in the period, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Nick Van Tassel with a cross crease pass to uh, Michael Cameron. Uh, he's able to knock it home. Crowd goes crazy. UMass essentially ties it up and main challenges for offside about a minute prior. Um, they challenge that entry into the zone and the goal gets called back. So it was one, one goal gets called back uh, continues one, nothing main. And that was a real blow to the, uh, to the mental for this team. It seemed like. Yeah. I mean, I think it ended up being, I think it was Cam O'Neill that ended up doing it. If I remember correctly, oh, you might but be right. Yeah. I, I knew it was one of the senators draft picks. So I knew that you know, yep. you're on the right track there for sure. But um, yeah, just, I mean, I, there were, there was a pretty big discussion about this online that I saw. And I mean, I don't want to weigh in too much on the whole like offside challenge thing, because I'll be honest, I don't know enough. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not some crazy, like, you know, I'm not like, I don't know how rules I feel like should be. I just feel like hockey kind of is the way that it is, but I'm kind of under the opinion, like it, I'd rather just get the call right. You know what I mean? Like if they do have to look back at it, you know, realistically, if we were offsides, then the play shouldn't have counted. You know what I mean? I think it's unfortunate that that was the way that the goal got called back, but if they reviewed it and that was what they found, so be it. You know what I mean? Like it sucks that they couldn't get the call right on the ice the first time to at least, you know, not even give us the opportunity to get my hopes up like that, obviously. But I mean, it is what it is. It's, you know, this one play, in my opinion, doesn't sway the entire game. You know, we had so many other chances to score goals and we didn't put it away, you know? So I'm not going to look to this one scenario as like, oh, well, if we got the goal and accounted here and they didn't, you know, call it back, what could have happened? Like we could have scored another five goals at various other points in this game. So I don't, I don't want to focus on this, on this situation kind of too much in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think there were definitely a lot more opportunities. It didn't seem at the time uh, as devastating as it was to get this one called back, but yeah. uh, I think UMass controlled play a lot more in this period. Uh, the, the period ends one, nothing obviously. Uh, but I, I thought they had a lot more of the possession and looked like the better team coming out of the, the first break. They do have to kill off a penalty. UMass is only penalty of the game near the end of the second period, which looked a little scary. Um, but they were able to block a few shots. Um, a couple shots went wide for me, and they were able to kill it off and, and go into the locker room at one nothing still. But um, I think in this period started the trend of for UMass of a lot of shots not hitting the net, a lot of shot yeah. attempts, not nearly a lot of shot on goals for for UMass, and, and it continued in the third. And that's not even to mention, like up until this point, we already had two power plays. We had two in the first period, mm -hmm. and the box score right now, we had zero shots on the power play the entire game. Yep what huh like looking at that that is absolutely pitiful you know like we got outshot on our own power plays we had three power plays zero shots for two shots against what what are we doing here guys like again i like i at the bare minimum just toss a puck on net you know what i mean like we had like i noticed throughout the game and fair play to maine for doing this like fair play to ben barr and whoever else was kind of crafting their defensive scheme against umass they understood that our best players were our defensemen. They know that, you know, 
Guys like Owen Murray, Ufko, Morrow, all those guys, they know how to kind of drive the play by themselves. They're quick, they're shifty, they can get pucks on net. That's the type of game that they play. They were playing their forwards super, super high up on the point to basically just try and deny any sort of outlet pass to, you know, like any sort of like low to high pass up into guys like Morrow or Ufko. Mm -hmm. They were willing to let the puck go low. They would rather us, you know, cycle the puck down low and force us to win puck battles down deep. And their defensemen were winning most of those puck battles. Like, they had a game plan on how to snuff out our offensive attacks, and they executed it, I'd say, to a T. I think they were very well organized. They they had their game plan. They stuck to it, and it worked as simple as that. So, I mean, I'm very, very frustrated, especially with the power play that night. You know, like, the power play unit was absolutely abysmal. You know, Ufko and Morrow were just losing pucks along the blue line where we couldn't even, you know, hold the zone. Like, they would just kind of skirt off, you know, into the neutral zone. And we're just sitting there like, guys, corral a puck. Like, what are we doing here? And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. But I think that was one of the – what's the opposite of a highlight? A low light. That would be a low light of the night for sure. Yeah, this game got incredibly frustrating in the third period. Um, that third UMass power play that you talked about happened five minutes in. Um, again, no shots off. 0 for 3 on the power play, no shots, which – it's brutal. I, I just need to enforce that again. I know you said it, but um, brutal, brutal to have six minutes of power play time and not get one shot on goal. Very aggravating. Um, another thing that I wanted to throw out there, between five minutes into the third and, and 19 minutes, two seconds into the third. So that's from the start of that first that power play in the third period up until less than one minute left in this game. UMass lost every single faceoff in that time so um really outside of that the this period was pretty even i would say even umass had a slight edge in, in controlling the tempo and possession in this third period but they won no face-offs and they could not get a shot on goal to save their life every single shot attempt was going wide was going high uh maybe the most frustrating period of umass hockey that i've witnessed in a while to be honest yeah i mean i was joking with you before the pod like i think genuinely if we were to change the size of the nets to like three feet taller we would have won that game like seven four you know what i mean like we were basically shooting field goals all night like we looked like we were absolutely electric from we looked like justin tucker out there you know what i mean just absolutely banging them in from 60 yards but i mean it doesn't matter if you can't actually hit the net like i know i can name right off the top of my head i know ninasari had a wide open chance in the mid slot I think with like 10 seconds left in the game, Suniev had a wide open one tee that he could have hit when, when we pulled the tendy, just completely sailed it over. Like there were multiple, multiple opportunities to get really, really good quality opportunities on net and just at the bare minimum challenge the main goaltender. And what, what was the last name? Uh, was it like Boya, Boyja? I, I think it's yep. Boya because I'm, I, I said Boyha last time, but I think that's like the complete wrong interpretation of the Swedish language. Regardless of that though, just completely abysmal shooting from UMass. And I feel like that's a little bit against the grain from how we've looked in recent games. I think in the last like month or so, we've looked pretty solid in the, in the shooting department. Like, don't get me wrong. We're not like sniping them bar down all the time. Like Morrow had a pretty goal literally just as, just as weekend, you know, just in literally the previous night, he had one of the better shots that I've seen this season. But, you know, I just think, we, we looked very, very similar, in my opinion. I don't know if this is a stretch. We looked like last year's team quite a bit. Just mm. major lack of, you know, just confidence. And I guess, I guess you know, we had the confidence, but not the execution. 
because we were trying to, you know, to take the shots when we could in some instances. Like if you had a wide open look in the slot, we were taking the shot there. But in a lot of instances as well, you know, we, we were trying to do a little bit too much. I think we would have some two on ones. We'd have some three on twos on some zone entries. And we tried to just make that extra pass a little too much. And it, I don't know, I just feel like it ruined us. You know what I mean? I think just at the bare minimum, I'd rather us finish with 30 shots and get shut out rather than 15 shots and getting shut out. You know what I mean? Right. Force the goalie to do something. We've seen the likes of Frabble before in games prior. Pucks trickle through. No goaltender is perfect. You got to force them to make that save, though, in order for any shot to be effective. So really, really disappointed in that aspect for sure. Right, especially when you have Maine's backup goalie and you really want to try to challenge him as much as you can. Um, that should be the game plan going in. But before before we get in the bigger discussion, I wanted to wrap up the game with uh, yeah. kind of a summary of the last minute 15. I think it's kind of a culmination of this entire game. Yeah. Uh, with uh, a minute and 17 seconds left, UMass pulls the goalie. Um, and here are the plays that happen after pulling the goalie. Shot by uh, Ninasari wide. Shot by Ninasari, saved by Boya. Uh, Face-off, UMass won it, Connors. Um, shot by Ufko, wide. Shot by Ufko, wide. Timeout, UMass. Connors wins the face-off again. Shot by Suniev, wide. End of game, UMass loses one nothing. So it was the, the entire second half of this game, and especially the last minute when you need to be desperate, Every shot went wide. It was infuriating to watch. Yeah. I mean, that was the worst part for me. It was just like, again, knowing that like we we had the ability, you know what I mean? Like that's the part that kills me is like, I knew going into this game, this was going to be a tough ass game. You know what I mean? Like right. it's main number six in the nation. The only things that we kind of had in our corner, they're playing away from home. You know what I mean? And they were coming off of a loss the night previous. It, I, I knew this was a winnable game, you know what I mean? But then that's that's what's kind of killing me the most is like, I feel like, you know, when you play a top six opponent like that, you shouldn't immediately expect to win there, you know what I mean? But the fact that we kept it so close, it was one nothing, and that game that, that game tying goal was right there for the taking for the entire game, essentially, you know what I mean? We were just so close the entire time. So this isn't one of those like losses where I'm sitting there like, do we hit the panic button? Is this the end of, you know, like, is this the end of the world? Not at all. You know what I mean? Knowing that we can skate against, you know, the creme de la creme of not just hockey East, but hockey, NCAA hockey in general is extremely encouraging. We just need to fine tune a couple things and just make sure that our shooting is just on point. And I genuinely think that, you know, this is still a very, very good team as we've seen for most of the season so far. I think that's the most frustrating thing for me, too, is this was such a winnable game um, against a team that's better than you in the pairwise, a team that's higher than you in the Hockey East standings. A win, a, a regulation win against Maine actually would have made us jump them in the Hockey East standings in the fourth place, um, the guaranteed home game slot. So uh, it was really big in that regard with the home crowd. Uh, and I thought UMass was the slightly better team in this game, like all things considered. Um, I thought they played a little bit harder. I think they had better uh, offensive opportunities and stuff like that, but just just weren't able to hit the net. So I'm, I think I'm with you. I'm extremely frustrated with the outcome of this game because I know that the boys had it in them to beat Maine. And it only gets tougher because next time we play Maine, it's going to be two games up in Orno. So road yeah. games, that building's incredibly hard to play at. This was your your best shot at getting a win against these guys, and it doesn't happen when – 
the way that you played, it, it really could have happened if a, if a couple things went better. So um, really frustrating outcome, but I don't think I'm too worried long-term about this one. If anything, I think it shows UMass's ability to, to hang with anyone. Like you said, it's just, we, we got to start converting our chances in the offensive zone. Way, way try guys are trying to get way too cute with it yeah. out there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not too discouraged. I think I like our chances going forward, but man, this one was frustrating. I think the, the best summary, cause I know we both just went on some, some long tangents right there. Me and you both, I think the easy summary in my mind, I don't think Maine beat us. I think we beat ourselves and that I totally agree. I, I think that's probably the most encouraging way to talk about a loss in any sport. You know what I mean? Everything was on us. We had the you know everything was in our court we were able to you know grab that w and seize it and we just we just couldn't you know what i mean it was slipping through our fingers it's not like we got absolutely dominated and there was no chance for us to win that at all like it wasn't a case like maine looked so vincible in that game like and that's what we were talking about in the previous episode when we were previewing this game we knew that there were things that you know we could exploit them on there were definitely you know they have holes in their game as does any team. I don't think any team is perfect. You know what I mean? You have teams that can be incredibly strong, but there's always just something that you can nitpick on them that you can take advantage of. They had things that were in that, that were kind of in that vein. And we, we sure as hell tried, you know what I mean? But I just think, you know, a couple of little tweaks. I think if, if, if the boys are practicing tomorrow, the first thing they got to be doing, I think Carvey should be tying up, you know, like they should be doing a skills competition. Like, you know, just like the all-star game, put up the little targets on the corners of the net <laughs> Honestly, have a big target right in the middle of the net and just start whipping pucks at it and make sure that you can get pucks on target. Because if you can't do that, you're not going to win hockey games. Not every right. single chance is going to be a doorstep tapping like, you know, Michael Cameron's goal was, you know, like you have to be able to shoot it from distance. Like every other, you know, top five rated team out there right now has bona fide snipers on their team. I think Suniev is probably the closest thing. I'd say, yeah, I'd say Suniev, Moro, and Musa are probably the closest things that we have to snipers on this team, but they're just not at that level yet. You know what I mean? To, to, to say that two of those guys are freshmen is extremely encouraging. They're only going to get better in that department, but we got to see some improvement if we really want this team to kind of take that next step and really you know, start showing off what, what they're capable of because we know, you and I both know, and every all the fans know, everybody that's listening right now, they know what this team is capable of. We could have seen it last night, but sadly we just didn't. Yeah, there's there's so much untapped potential. And I know you mentioned Suniev. Uh, he had a moment in the second period where he got on a clear-cut breakaway, nobody even close to him. And I think he just fired it right at the goalie's chest. So um, just another one of those really But But in that case, through. I'll be honest with you, I prefer that. I'd rather oh, yeah, we're go going directly wide. at the goalie's chest rather than, you know, sail five feet wide like we saw numerous other chances go in that game. I would much rather you shoot center mass and pray that it trickles through. Honestly, I'd rather him make a nice little a nice little dangle. I, I feel like you take that little forehand, backhand, you rip it top shelf. That's just me. That's my preferred yeah. move. But, I mean, again, I would, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a knock on him. I think – you you just got to try and put it at, at the bare minimum on net. He at least gave us the bare minimum there, which is something that yeah. I feel like a lot of guys couldn't couldn't really do in this game. Yeah, I agree. I think moral of the story here, kind of like you alluded to, uh, this team's got a lot of untapped potential. And they're still still trying to find some way to break it out of them. They only had 36 shots on goal this whole weekend. 
but they they played well enough to get six points. So um, yeah, they just got to find it and dig deep, I guess. All right, how, what do you say we jump over to our awards for this one? Let's get into it, Cam. All right, so CCC is the first one we give out. Carvel's character and compete. Uh, really tough when you lose one nothing. Um, I think we're kind of defaulted to giving this one to Michael Hrabble. Um, I think he played a great game. It wasn't a stellar game, like stealing one away, obviously. Um, but he played well enough to get the win, definitely. He uh, only gave up one goal. He had 21 saves. Uh, he looked pretty comfortable in net as as he did in at Merrimack. So a uh, strong game for Michael Hrabble. Really couldn't say that about anybody else. So it's a bit of a default here, but um, really liked what we saw from him. I mean, the bare minimum, right? If your save percentage is over a 950 and you don't get the W, that's not on you. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's as simple as that. I mean, if, if we got if we got even a little bit of goal support out of the rest of our team, we'd be we'd be singing Rabble's praises saying he kept us in that game. You know, he did his job. I think he had some really, really big saves on some basically like, you know, either face-off dot or like mid-slot one-timers that just he, again, it was his big frame that kind of, you know, saved the day. He wasn't really the most reflexive or the most, you know, unbelievable, you know, positionally, but his big body meant he's just taken up just enough of the net to where he can basically get a little bit of his body on almost every shot that comes at him. And that was exactly what he did. Like I said, it sucks. He didn't get the goal support that he needed, but I think just his performance alone definitely makes him uh, worthy of the CCC here uh, for this game. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, for our good try award, uh, the, the guy that we think can do a little bit better next game, we don't we don't do this kind of thing too often, but think it's pretty warranted for this game. The good try award's going to all of the skaters on UMass for this one. Uh, I don't think anybody could be left out. So many shots going wide, not going on net. That really was the story of the game, and also a lot of uncharacteristic pucks bouncing over sticks and not being able to control the puck in the offensive zone that we're used to seeing these guys um, do. We're used to seeing them make plays that they weren't able to make in this one. So um, I think this loss is kind of on everybody that was skating in this one. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's, that's bound to happen when you get shut out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we were talking, we've been talking about the whole episode so far. We, we shot ourselves in the foot. It's not like Maine perfectly shut us down and played stellar defense and just, you know, like they, they weren't playing like Providence where I think we talked about it like a couple months ago. I think Providence had a game. They were out shooting a team, I think like 23 to two. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. right there is shut down defense. That like, that's just, you know, what can you do about that? But, you know, we, for us, it was just, we didn't really have that killer instinct about us, you know, to try and, you know, put put the foot on our on our enemy's throats and take advantage of the game. You know, we were just, you know, not to say that we weren't necessarily trying, but we were trying too hard to do other things. Sometimes you got to simplify the game a little bit and just get bucks on net. Carvey talks about it all the freaking time when it comes to post-game interviews. You know, he's always like, you know, you get pucks into the net. You know, we weren't really driving the net well enough. That's what happens in almost every single loss that we have. And this game was no different in my mind. Yeah, it really wasn't. So um, we don't like to do it too often, but this could try going to everybody that was skating. All right, what do you what do you got for your custom award for this game? All right, Cam. So I am going to be giving this one to Michael Cameron. So this actually has oddly enough nothing to do with the goal that got called back. I'm giving him the face-off fill-in award. Uh, I'm pretty sure in like 95% of the, all the games that he's played for UMass so far in his career, he's played wing. 
Like he is, you know, basically at heart. I think he plays left wing, you know, the majority of the time. He filled in at fourth line center this time around and he ended up going 50% in the faceoff dot. You know what I mean? Like you were talking earlier, Cam, about we went a pretty long stretch where, you know, we weren't really getting, you know, we weren't really doing too well in the faceoff dot. And, you know, he he did well enough for a guy that I feel like me and you both kind of see mainly as a winger. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say that, you know, he hasn't played center, you know, maybe in the USHL or maybe in like, you know, high school or prep hockey or wherever he was playing. But he definitely managed to get the job done at an NCAA level when, you know, I just think that's personally a really, really good thing to show just for the overall depth of the team. Like, it's always kind of good that we have guys that at least know how to take faceoffs and can play center in a pinch whenever we need them to. And mm-hmm. I think it was really cool that Michael Cameron was able to do that in this game. Yeah, and I I felt like he was more of a presence than he's been uh, really since he's come back from his injury uh, late in 2023. I think I noticed him flying around the ice and uh, kind of doing a good job helping UMass keep plays alive in the offensive zone a lot more than I've been used to seeing him contribute. So I, I really liked his game um, for this one. Outside of the, the shooting, I think everybody was at fault there. But um, some of the other things like speed and, and getting to the puck, I – I saw him more than usual, and I did like that as well. Yeah, for sure. What do we got for your award, Cam? All right. Mine is going to be called the Give Me More Award. Uh, this one's going to Kenny Connors. Uh, for this, all the same reasons uh, Mike, I just discussed about Michael Cameron, I thought Connors played really well in certain aspects of the game in this one. Um, he did a g- great job. I think there were a couple sequences where three or four times in one play he was able to, to make a nice move to keep the puck um in the zone time alive for umass which i really liked um he created some pretty good scoring opportunities which i also liked i know he's been struggling a little bit as of late we were you said we were about to give him a good try for this last merrimack mm-hmm. game but we ended up audibling at the last second there but i like the way he played uh the reason it's called the give me more award is there was one moment in the second period he had the puck on his, in his on his stick in the slot um with a lot of net open and for some reason, he decided a cross-crease saucer pass that may or may not connect with his teammate's stick was the better option when he had a lot of space to shoot and uh, definitely a good shot at the goal. So I really didn't like what I saw. I, I thought he was playing really well up until that point, um, had a chance to bury one, and he, he decided not to take it. I just wanted him to give me a little more of that good stuff that we were seeing in this game. Yeah, and I think the really annoying part for me is just like – wasn't he was basically our top goal scorer for the majority of last season i think until i think mccarr took it away from yeah. him at the last moment but like we we know what he's capable of you know what i mean and i feel like it's not even like he was just absolutely sniping shots bar down i feel like there was you know a couple of games last season in particular he was shooting the puck center mass and it was just you know squeaking in you know what i mean like he was mm-hmm. pucking it underneath the armpits of, of the goalies and you know sniping them five hole and stuff like that like he wasn't really picking the corners and being you know a hyper genius from, from like the sniping perspective. So, you know, I feel like, you know, you just sometimes got to bring it back to basics, make the safe play, or maybe just a slightly smarter play rather than the flashy play. I think we saw what, what Maine was kind of doing and what they were known for with their speed and skill. And we tried to match that. I think we had to play more of our own identity of hockey a little bit more and try not to, you know, take the other team's influence a little bit too much away from ourselves. You know what I mean? Like just a little bit too weird for me. Yeah. I I just, I wanted to see a little more of of the smart plays that we had been seeing, the simple um, simple plays that uh, Connor. So we know it's there, obviously, but just wanted a little bit more in that time. For sure. All right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about this game before we go into our uh, out-of-town scores from the weekend? No, I think we're good to go. 
All right. So little wacky hockey East schedule over the weekend. There was only one uh, two-game series. Uh, we're used to every team outside of one having a home-and-home home series type of thing. But that one series was Providence played at UConn, and then UConn played at Providence. Providence won the first one 5 nothing. UConn won the second one 2-1, to one, big win on the road for UConn. The rest of the games, so Friday night we have uh, Maine playing at Northeastern. Um, they lost six to three. I think I think Northeastern scored three goals and one five minute penalty for Maine. So good job, Northeastern. They're they're getting hot at the right time. I think they're 19th in the pairwise right now. So big climb for them. We see BU head to New Hampshire. They took care of business six to three. Saw BC head to Lowell. They took care of business even more six to one. And then on Saturday we have. Merrimack playing New Hampshire up in New Hampshire. Uh, UNH gets that one three to one. And that was it. We have uh, on Monday, we have the bean pot. So Harvard's playing versus Northeastern and Boston College is playing BU yet again. So uh, that second one looking like a real, real good matchup at the Garden, but not a ton of hockey, hockey East action. And I don't think anything really stands out except for that UConn result, especially having them as an opponent next week. That was exactly what I was going to say. You took the words right out of my mouth, which is probably better for me because I'm losing my voice rapidly right now. But um, to keep it brief, I mean, obviously, we got to be interested in the scores of the, the opponents that we're going to be playing more recently. And, I mean, a win over Providence, that's huge. You know what I mean? Like, Providence is a damn good team right now. They're playing some really, really good hockey. So, in order to get a win over them, it takes, you know, the right type of mentality, and they clearly had it in that game. I'm curious to see what version of UConn shows up against us next weekend. I'm hoping that it's a, a much worse version, and hopefully we can take care of business. Yeah, and that leads us into our, our last point of discussion here. Next series, Friday and Saturday, a home-and-home home with UConn. We've seen them once this season. They're They're having a pretty down season based on what they were expected to do. Right now they're 12, 13, and 2, 7, 9, and 1 in the conference. Uh, they actually have a worse record at home than they do away. They're 5 and 8 at home and 7 and 7, 5, and 2 on the road. So a real, real interesting team. They've had a much better second half of the season so far, and that culminated into that that win on the road against Providence, which is really big for them. But um, not sure exactly what we're gonna get out of this team. UMass, like I said, we played them earlier this season. That one went to a shootout, three to three, and UConn won in the shootout. That was to start 2023. So um, we've seen them play UMass hard. We know they have it in them. So not going to be easy this weekend. The first one's going to be on the road um, on UConn's campus. That uh, what do they call that that place? The, the Toscano it. Family Ice Forum. Yeah, our second time playing there. I wish the game could be in Hartford like they used to be doing, but um, hopefully, hopefully we're going to be there again. So um, that'll be cool. But yeah, road game first, then the home game on Saturday, the chill the bill game. So hopefully we get a big crowd for that. But yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be an easy opponent this weekend. But UMass has kind of worked themselves into a bit of a corner in Hockey East where they really have to get, I would say, at least four points out of this series. I mean, knowing you, Cam, you're going to start pulling up team stats for UConn. So, you know, you're probably going to doing that. But just right off the bat, from what I can tell out of them, out of their team, they have really solid goaltending out of both of their goalies. You know, they have Sergeyev and uh, Ethan Heider, both rocking very similar stats, um, basically hovering around a 9.15 save percentage, around a 2.5 goals against average. That's a pretty good look, you know, defensively. It seems like they are fairly stout defensively. seems like the major issue that they've been having is scoring. Like, they don't have a single guy that's over a point per game right now. Um little bit concerning usually if you have you know if you're if you want to be a top tier hockey east team you got to know how to score goals 
doesn't really seem like they have that about them right now. It seems like it's been picking up a little bit more, but I remember the first half of the season, they were towards the bottom, you know, half of hockey standings wise. And that's, I feel like it was mainly due to the fact that they couldn't score a goal to save their lives. I'm hoping that we can kind of shake that, you know, that we had a very similar situation against Maine that just happened. So I'm hoping that we're going to be able to score a lot more than them. That sounds really stupid to say, because that's the main point of hockey. But, you know, I just think they're, th- this is the team, in my opinion, I don't, I wouldn't be happy with four points. I got to be happy with six points here. Mm-hmm. I think we got to sweep them if we want to achieve our aspirations in Hockey East. Stick with it, you know, pairwise wise. That was a really weird way to say that. But also just in terms of the overall standings as well. I think you need six points here. I wouldn't be very content with anything less. And their stats really don't jump off the page going through them. They score 2.6 goals a game, which as we've been going through the season is pretty low. They give up 2.7. So a bunch of low scoring games from them. Uh, Their power play is not great. They're about 13%. Uh, They give up goals on the penalty kill at a 16%. So that's pretty decent. Um, Just, just over 50% in the faceoffs. Um, they have a bunch of major game misconduct penalties. They have five this season so far, so that might be something to watch out for. Games of UConn always get at least a little bit chippy, so seeing them on back-to-back nights, that might play a factor. But this this team, other than their wins, they have one 2 nothing win against Maine this year, and then they beat Providence on the road 2-1. to one. So those are their impressive wins this year. Looking through everything else, um, I'm not totally impressed, but as we've talked about this whole season, Hockey East is a beast this year, and, and anything is really possible. But I, I think at, now that I'm dissecting this, I, I think you're right. I think anything less than six points this weekend is going to be a pretty big disappointment. Fully agree, man. I'm really hoping that we can get it done. All right. So that is everything we had for this one. Uh, this is our last episode before our big event with Home Field next Saturday. So um, that we would really, really appreciate if you guys could come out and support. Saturday, February 10th at 4 p.m. at the Hangar. You'll get a free beer out of it. You'll get some free wings out of it, I believe. So, um, And you'll get a discount on that cool new Home Field Apparel merch. So we really hope to see all of you guys there. Make sure to send in your questions for us for our mailbag. Uh, we'd love to feature them in that live episode. I think it's going to be pretty fun. So thank you guys for listening this far. Uh, let's get a couple wins against UConn next weekend. And go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Can't wait to see you all at the hangar.